This podcast is a production of Journey, a church community inspiring people to live big. For more information, please visit cincyjourney.org. Good morning. My name is Joe Merrick. I'm the lead pastor here at Journey. So excited and thrilled to have you with us here. I see a few of you going like this. It's a little cold outside, uh, right? Anybody else feel tricked? I mean, it was really cold for a couple of weeks. I felt like I got kind of hardy, you know, like um, I kind of got used to the, to the cold, to the 8, to the 10 degrees. And then we had those warm days last week. And uh, then it got six degrees this morning, and I, I still am not warm. I'm still cold. I don't know about you, uh, but I, I feel like, you know, I could deal with one or the other, but the flick, flipping and flopping back and forth was, is too much for me. Uh, but anyway, uh, thank you for being here, for braving the weather, for uh, coming and joining us today. Exciting, exciting day here at Journey Church as we kind of continue our series, The Power of Routine, a great topic in the beginning of a new year. Um, I wanted to take a moment before we got too far down that road, though, and encourage everybody to reach into the seat back in front of them. There you're going to find one of these Connect cards, and uh, it's our desire to have a Connect card from every family here. Uh, if you would take just a moment, at least from one of, your, uh, one of the people in your family, and kind of jot down some information there. If you're new, uh, we would uh, love to know that. And if you'd fill that out, we'd uh, love to send you just something, uh, a thank you in the mail this week. Uh, and so if you'd allow us to do that, we would love uh, to be able to do that for you. You can also uh, write prayer requests, decisions that you've made, other things you might want us to know on the back of your Connect card. Hold on to it. Uh, at the end of our service, our off, uh, during our offering time, you can drop it in the offering bags or uh, there's some baskets as well uh, as you exit the auditorium here this morning. With that, let me just pause and pray and then we'll jump in today. Lord God, we are just in awe of being able to be here and in your presence. We're so thankful for your heart towards us. One of the songs that we sang this morning was, I need you, God. And that's the prayer of our heart today. Lord, we do need you collectively. We just say that to you this morning. We need your grace We need your faith, we need your strength, we need your wisdom as we move forward. God, we need more of you. That's my heart, that's my prayer for this day, for this church, for myself, for everyone here. God, we just join in that prayer today, saying we need more of you. In your name we pray, amen. Well, uh, welcome again to week number two of our teaching series on the power of routine. And, you know, like I said earlier, this is the beginnings of a new year, and this is a great topic uh, to kind of get our minds on this idea of what are some patterns, some routines that we can create that will affect us, not just for a couple of days or a couple of weeks, but throughout this year, even longer. Uh, We discovered as we kind of got into this uh, series last week, The the scientists tell us that between 
40 and 45% of the decisions we make on a daily basis are routines. They're habits. They're, they're things we don't really think too much about. It's things like... Um, we sit pretty much in the same place. We drink our coffee the same way. We uh, uh, go the same routes. We eat the same foods. The list, it can go on and on and on and, and call them routines, habits, call them uh, uh, preferences, customs, whatever you want. But we all have them. and We have a lot of them. And they make an impact on our life. And not just in kind of the uh, small things, they make an impact on the big things in life. When I think about that stat that I just read for you, that 40 to 45% of the decisions we make on a daily basis are out of habit, out of routine. Just reminded that without a moment, when we stop and evaluate the routines of our life, of our day, Without a moment where we say, you know what, is this kind of the pattern I want in my, in my life, in my day? Is, 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 um, do I want to start some new routines, some new patterns? Without moments where we ask those questions, we will pretty much live the way we did yesterday, last week, last year. That's the pull that we have in, in life and so much of, uh, that's what we want to talk about in this series. I don't know, maybe uh, 2017 for you was great. Maybe it was difficult. I don't know. Maybe it was somewhere in between. But don't we want this new year, 2018, don't we want it to be even better? Even greater? And so what we're trying to do in this series by, by talking about routines is we're trying to, to partner up with you. We're trying to fight against this allure of, of just doing things the way we have always done them. And we're saying, wait, let's pause. Let's stop and collectively ask, can we create some routines, some patterns, some habits right now that will have maximum spiritual impact on our year? Small things that we can do kind of on a continual basis that will impact our spirits and our hearts in big, big ways. I believe that happens. I believe those routines, those, those patterns are impactful. And we started last week talking about the habit, the uh, routine of reading the Bible. And this was just kind of a, a natural place to start. I, I shared with you last week how uh, we've seen study after study after study that says the simple act of reading the Bible on a continual basis, a, a weekly basis, a daily basis, having some kind of routine where we're continually going back to God's word is the single biggest indicator in someone's spiritual development. There's lots of other factors, lots of other things that we need to do. But if you had to pick one that you wanted to start with, the studies say that's where to start, to start reading Scripture. And so the action plan was simple. After we explained all that, we talked about it, we said, here's the plan. Just 
pick a reading plan of Scripture. Go to uh, the YouVersion Bible app or wherever maybe else you might find one and start. Start this week. That habit, that routine. I hope that you know that uh, I hope you join me, I should say, in, in starting that, that habit. And I hope that you know that if you didn't get started last week, you can still start now. It's not too late to kind of develop that habit of reading Scripture. This week, the routine that we want to talk about is prayer. One day, uh, Jesus was with his disciples, and he kind of he went away. He, he went off to go, as he often did, to pray. And um, one of his disciples, when he came back, said to Jesus what so many of the others were kind of thinking in their minds. He said, Master, teacher, teach us to pray. I don't know if you've ever tried to maybe imagine that scene, that, that scene in Scripture where Jesus kind of goes off and he prays and he comes back and the disciples are prompted to ask that question, teach us to pray. I wonder what was behind the question. What prompted the disciple to say, teach us. Teach us to do what you just did. Teach us to pray. Do you think Jesus used some, uh, some big words that the disciples didn't understand? And so he was like, hey, can you explain what you were talking about there? Or uh, did he uh, have some kind of formula that was just beautiful and eloquent? And, and so they needed to learn that. Or did he do weird things with his arms or his legs? I don't think so. I think that the disciples saw Jesus go off and pray, and when he came back, they noticed something was different about him. Something was different in his spirit. And they said, you know what? I want that. Teach me how to have that, Jesus. They saw Jesus and God commune in a special way in prayer, and they said, God, teach me to do that. It's what so often we're trying to learn, do in prayer. We're trying just to connect with who God is. I remember in college, Karen and I were walking uh, through the campus together, and there was a, a cute old couple ahead of us. Of course, everybody in those days were old, um, but... They had gray hair and maybe, uh, maybe bald on top, and they were holding hands. And I, I remember the moment because I instinctively reached down and I held Karen's hand and she grabbed my arm. And we didn't even have to say what we were uh, thinking, right? We were, we were just kind of caught by this picture of this couple who had been in love for so long. And yet all these years later, they still wanted to walk hand in hand. And we said, I want that. That's what the disciples were saying in this moment where Jesus walks away and comes back after this moment of prayer and his spirit is different. They said, I want that. Teach me how to do that. Many of us, 
many of us, as we've uh, crossed the line of faith, we've had moments where we have been like the disciples and we've just been in awe. You mean I get to to pray to the creator of the world that, that God wants to listen to me? We've had seasons where we've prayed almost without stopping Seasons where uh, everything that came to us, whether it was good or bad, was a reason to pray. Then we've had those moments fade. Pastor Bill Hybels describes a conversation that he was having with someone about this very idea. He said the the person he was talking to said this. When I was a new believer, the thought of talking with God, with the God of the universe, the thought of him listening to me, responding to my cares, my concerns, it was so overwhelming. It was so overwhelming, I could barely take it in. He continued on, he said, I prayed all the time. I prayed when I got up. I prayed when uh, I went to work. I prayed when I sat at my desk. I prayed at lunch. I prayed with my kids at dinner. I prayed with my kids when I put them to bed. I was a praying monster, he said. It brought me so much joy. I saw God working and moving in my life and other people's life. And then, I don't know what happened. The whole deal just cooled off. Just cooled off, and I don't pray that much anymore. How many of us, how many of us can relate to that story? No, that I certainly can. I can look back at my life in, in times when, when prayer was such an important part of me, when it was the, whenever news came to me, whether it was good or bad, it was a prompt to pray. When I felt more connected with God, I fervently prayed in reaction to every need that came before me. Then it faded. And then usually what happened is something bad maybe happened really close to me and it kicked my prayer life back up and I got reconnected and my prayers were fervent again and I was going strong. Then it faded again. Not to nothing, but just not to what it was. Have you experienced that? Can, Can you relate to that this morning? made me wonder why. Why do we have this kind of hot and cold relationship with prayer, this on again, off again thing? Why does prayer, this thing that we know is important, I I believe that many of you are here, you want to be connecting with God in prayer. But then it fades. Why does that happen? I think there's probably a lot of reasons. 
I have three for us that I think are probably uh, the most prevalent that I just want to name for you, maybe help you kind of identify some of these things this morning. The first is this. Life gets too comfortable. Life gets too comfortable when we're in the midst of a personal storm, when when tragedy is at our door, when uh, our health, our relationships, or those of uh, our loved ones around us hang in the balance. We pray. We pray a lot. We pray fervently. When the phone rings in the middle of the night, when the uh, our boss talks about downsizing when the doctor says, I have bad news. We pray. We pray with everything that we are. We pray. We pray hard. We pray continually, even desperately. And then when the crisis wanes, so do our prayers. The Bible, especially in the Old Testament, is full of stories. Full of stories of people. People who called out to God when they were in trouble. And then God would come and answer their prayers. And then all of a sudden, things would be okay for a little while. Then they would turn on God again. And the pattern would repeat in continue over and over again. Second, second reason that our prayer life fades is we feel guilt and shame over sin. Guilt and shame over sin. Sin at its most basic form is this wedge that gets driven between us and God. It drives us further and further apart. When that happens, we lose our prayer life. When people kind of describe a life of prayer that was at one point uh, uh, fervent and alive and moving, and then they say, you know, and then it just, I don't know what happened, It, it, it went away. Sometimes it's really helpful in those moments to say, okay, well, let's talk about when that started to happen. So many times what you'll hear is, well, you know, a couple of years ago, I got really focused on this promotion at work. And as I look back, I see, you know, I get kind of greedy. Ever since then, I just, I, I felt distance from God. I, I felt like, you know, I, I, this shame about it, and I, I just don't pray as much. Or you hear stories where uh, people say a couple of months ago, I started looking at things on the computer that I know I shouldn't be looking at. And now every time I go to pray, I just feel guilt. I just stop. Sin gets This wedge, it becomes this wedge that gets driven between us and God. And the farther that divide is, the less likely we are to continually and daily, consistently be in prayer to Him. The third kind of reason this morning 
that our prayer life fades. Maybe you've experienced this one. We're discouraged because of unanswered prayers. Can't honestly make a list of things that keep us from praying that make our prayer life fade and not include this one. A healing that didn't happen, a relationship that has fallen apart, that you wanted to come back together, that hasn't been restored financial issue, it's still out there, some trouble that you haven't navigated yet, something that has left you wondering about the fruitfulness of prayers, at least your prayers. There's not a lot of easy answers to this one. Sometimes it's just that our timetable's off. God's time and our time just haven't synced up yet, and the answer's coming. It just hasn't gotten here yet. Sometimes God's trying to teach us something. We're still learning in the trial, and it's painful, and we don't like it, but we're still learning. And, and, so, and, we, and God's trying to teach us, so we have to continually continue to be kind of in that posture of learning. Sometimes I think we just don't understand until God someday explains it to us. That's some of the why. The why of our fade in our prayer life. Uh, like I said, there's, it's not an exhaustive list. There might be something else that pertains to you, but those are kind of the big ones what I wanted to do today is, is kind of not work through them kind of backwards. Work through them backwards and talk about how do we prevent, how do we keep our prayer life from fading? We don't want that to happen. How do we stop it? So if we look at the last one, if our prayer life is fading because of frustration over unanswered prayers, let's start but just simply telling God about our frustrations, expressing that to him. Sometimes you know, we, we think, oh, we can't, uh, we can't tell God those kinds of things. He won't, he won't like us anymore. That's not the case. Let's start kind of rebuilding that prayer life by just confessing, God, you know, there's this, this big thing in my life and it's not going the way that I thought it was going to go. I lost this person. I didn't want to lose them. I'm hurting. Those are fine prayers to give to God. Those are prayers God wants to hear. Second thing, if it's because of sin, acting like a wedge between you and God, let's do what Scripture tells us to do. Let's confess it, name it. Say, God, there's this area in my life, and I know it has driven, it's become a wedge between me and you. It's sin. I want it gone. And you say in your word, if we confess it in Romans, that you will be faithful to who you are, and you'll forgive. Let that happen in my life so that my prayer life can get restored to what I know you want it to be. Lastly, 
it's because life has gotten too calm? The answer that, that I know, the only answer I can come up with is a routine. Developing a habit of prayer, something that we continually go back to. Jesus gives us some guidance with this, some help with this. Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 8 are some verses we are going to read together today or I'm going to read for you. This is right before Jesus is, uh, kind of gives us um, uh, the, the Lord's Prayer as an example, but he, he gives some instructions before that that I think are helpful. Verse 5 here. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth. They have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father for who is unseen. And then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you even ask him. This whole section in the uh, Gospel of Matthew, it's part of a kind of a bigger section of Scripture where uh, Jesus is teaching about how God's kingdom is going to get lived out in the world, how we're going to see it take place, what's going to be different one of the things that he um, zones in on, he really picks at, is, you know, traditionally, uh, especially in kind of the uh, religious circles, people have worked really hard on making it look like on the outside they have it all together, that they have uh, things worked out with God, but on the inside their hearts have turned from him. And Jesus says, no, not in my kingdom, In my kingdom, what's going to happen is people's hearts are going to be transformed. They are going to be in line with mine. And that is going to work its way out in their life. They're going to not have the outside uh, right and the inside wrong. They're going to have the inside right and it's going to transform everything they do from there on. And so kind of one of the things that we see here is we see what, what Jesus is calling his people to in prayer is to have their, their hearts in the right place, their hearts transformed and in line with his. To start there. And he gives several examples here in the larger section of Scripture, uh, of having the inside right first. He talks about it in fasting, in giving to the poor, and in prayer. And so uh, we learn several things about prayer, but the primary one comes from just the context of this larger theme in Scripture. The true prayer isn't done to impress other people. True prayer is for an audience of one. It's for God. Prayer puts 
off concerns about what other people might think, what are the right words, what are the right ways to say it. And it becomes just about us sharing the burdens of our heart. That's what Jesus means when he says, don't pray like the hypocrites. Like the people who are more concerned with the opinions of others than of God. Find other treasures here on prayer. For instance, right there in the very beginning of uh, verse 5, Jesus says, and when you pray, not if you pray. He's setting the, the standard right in the beginning. He's saying, my people are going to be a praying people. In Jesus' day, there were these established times of prayer. In the morning, in the ninth hour. And what was to happen was you were to be just kind of going about your day. And, and when that time came, you stopped whatever you were doing and you prayed. What some people were in the habit of doing was being in the right place at the right time. So they would always find themselves at this busy street corner at the synagogue uh, when the time of prayer would came and they made a big show of it. And they, they would pray loudly and became, look at me, look at me. Jesus warns against that. Said prayers between be, to be between you and God to that audience of one. He says those who pray to show off to others have already received their reward. But he doesn't speak against having a time in a place. In fact, he encourages it. That's a healthy way to, to, to build a habit, to have a time in the place picked out to pray. Maybe for you, it's before you go to bed or when you get up in the morning, maybe there's a special seat in your house somewhere where the first thing you're going to do when you sit in that seat is you're going to spend a few minutes praying. Maybe it's your morning commute in the car. You just need to turn the radio off and spend some time getting your heart right with God, thinking about the people you're going to interact with that day, uh, what's happening, praying through what's just on your heart that morning. Maybe it's what you need to do the first thing when you sit at your desk. It's not the where or the when that matters as much as the pattern. Getting started, picking those things. Next we see Jesus warned against praying like the pagans. Talks about rambling on here, babbling on. And this doesn't have to do as much with the length of the prayer as it does with the heart again. It was common in Jesus' day, especially in Greek prayers, for the person to start and to list off as many titles for the deity that they could think of in, a, in a kind of a way to, to wake them up, to, to get their attention. Jesus is telling his audience, God is already paying attention to you. 
You don't have to wake him up. You don't have to kind of grab his attention from other things. He's there. He's listening, waiting for his children to speak. I think that can be a healthy picture as we start to think about forming this habit of prayer in our life. This picture of God longing to hear from us. Like a father, a good father who hasn't heard from a a daughter or a son in quite some time and the phone rings. And yes, they're paying attention to the words, they're listening to what they're saying, but they're just really overjoyed to hear the voice of their son, their daughter. It's a picture of prayer, what God's heart is in prayer. This morning, just to to sum this up. If you want to take seriously starting a routine of prayer, there's really a couple of things you need. Right from the scriptures, we learn that we need pure motives to speak to God and not to impress other people. The audience of one person. We need a trigger, a time. I'm going to pray in the morning, first thing. I'm going to pray after I put the kids to bed. Whatever the time might be, or a place. There's a certain seat. I'm going to do it on my drive in the car. Even better, a time and a place, both together. But you need that trigger, something to remind you that this is a time for you to be in prayer, a daily reminder. Lastly, we have to remember that God longs to hear our prayers. That God longs to listen to us even more than we long to speak. As we close, Daniel's going to come. He's going to play a song for us. As he does that, I hope that you take a moment and you think about that, that place, that time, that trigger. I know that our calendars and our schedules, they're busy and they're full. And in moments like this, we can sit there and we can think, I don't know. My day is so full. There's so many things on my plate. How do I add this? It might not be the perfect time, the perfect place. What's the best opportunity? What's the best one? Is it the drive in the car? Could you turn the radio off? Could you spend some time in the morning just praying, getting your heart kind of connected with God for the day? Is it when you sit down at your desk in the morning? Is it kind of forming the habit in your family when you put the kids to bed? Hey, this is going to be a holy time where we just pray. I pray for them, what's going on in our families. I don't know what that time, that place might be for you. I hope you spend some time thinking about it really, truly. Those are keys to forming a habit, having some kind of trigger, some kind of reminder. Usually those are times and places.
But this morning, I also want to help you with some of those other suggestions that we made. In your uh, program this morning, this morning, there's an index card. If you just take a moment and find that. This morning, I want to invite you to just imagine that God is just making an invitation to you. He's making an invitation to you for you just to share your heart with him. To share what's that big thing that's on your heart. If I've learned one thing in ministry, it's that we all so often have something big on our heart. Maybe we haven't even told anybody about it yet. Maybe it's a health concern, a financial concern. Maybe it's something spiritual, the salvation of a friend, a family member. Maybe you're just grateful for something right now. But there's something on your heart today that just weighs a little bit more than everything else. Would you take just a moment and, and write that down? Maybe it's just a paraphrase, a word or two, a simple sentence. God, as it says in our scripture, he knows what you're talking about already. Take a moment and would you kind of write that down on that card. And as Daniel plays, we have a a basket here. Just kind of as a symbol of understanding that that last piece of prayer that, that God longs to receive that big thing that you've written down on this card. Daniel's going to play, and I just want to encourage you to to take that card and just to to bring it down and just to be, have a mental picture in your mind that God in heaven is longing to receive this request from you. You can just place it in the basket and spend the last couple of moments here together praying. I would invite you to do that, Daniel, if you would lead us in song. know, what so many of you just did is really what prayer is. It's us sharing our hearts. It's us understanding that, that God's heart is there and receptive and patient and open and longing to hear from us. And somewhere in that process, our hearts get moved and changed. And we want to do it again. And that's how the real habit of prayer happens is we feel our hearts being moved and transformed. Our ushers are going to come forward this morning and they're going to take our offering as they do that. I want to just encourage you to take a moment and and look through your program and to uh, just uh, look for things happening in and around Journey Church I want to say thank you to them who are uh, collecting this morning. And you know, as people were just bringing their uh, prayer requests down this morning, putting them in this basket, I was just reminded in, in the visual picture of it that these are big things, that there are heavy things, important things to your heart, to my heart that got placed in this basket. And, and so many times when, when we're carrying it, it feels so big, so large, so heavy. It feels like, you know, we, we can't pick it up. But it's so light, right? 
so light for God to carry these. It's a picture again of what prayer truly is. I hope that you will join me this year in saying, you know what, today's a day when prayer is going to be a bigger part of my life. I'm going to get into that habit, that routine, because I don't want to see my prayer life fade away. I want to see it continue to move and get stronger and stronger. Daniel's going to play another song for us and then dismiss us today.